Welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Lisa Gonzalez with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and a writer on muninetworks.org. Today's show features an interview with Steve Reniker, the Chief Innovation Officer for the City of Riverside, California. Steve is also the Executive Director of the nonprofit organization Smart Riverside, which has won numerous awards for its digital inclusion program. Christopher Mitchell interviews Steve in our 11th podcast to learn more about the fiber optic network that Riverside built and how they've made Wi-Fi a key piece of their digital inclusion work. Learn more in this interview. Steve, thank you for joining us on Community Broadband Bits. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'd like to start off by talking about your fiber optic network that links the public facilities. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, we have our own public-owned utility, and one of the aspects of our power side is a fiber group. So we have our electric side that has some underground but a lot of overhead assets, and so they're easily able to uh, leverage that and place fiber on it. So what uh, they have done over the last uh, 12 years is build a sonnet ring around our city that primarily integrated all of the uh, SCADA or power and water resources throughout the city. And uh, over the last seven, eight years ago, they've uh, connected a few city facilities uh, where it made sense. Uh, Seven years ago when I came to the city, we decided that uh, we were going to implement a wireless network, and a lot of that required uh, fiber infrastructure to uh, specific locations in order to build that out. So when we took a look at doing so, we we said, well, what would the cost be to interconnect all city facilities, including our parks and community centers, because we wanted to do uh, video security at those locations as well. And uh, we, we in, in essence, got an engineering group to go ahead, price out the build-out and construction of all of that, and we financed it over a uh, 10-year period, uh, and we uh, completed that two years ago. And so have, has that been a proven to be a wise decision? Very wise decision. We were able to eliminate uh, all of our carrier lines, uh, with the exception of just some phone trunks that uh, come into our city hall for our voice over IP system. Uh, we also now just have a single internet pipe that serves both our public Wi-Fi, and we split that out, and the cost of our internet service uh, connection has gone down drastically. But more importantly, we're now able to leverage that network and and run all of our video services over it, uh, all of our voice and data, um, and we still have plenty of capacity for for other use on it as well. Can you get a little bit into the specifics? Um, you know, as a as a fairly major city, what uh, uses do you have in terms of video and other data needs? So on the video side, we're running uh, about 600 uh, video high high definition uh, IP based cameras throughout the city. So those are in locations such as our parks, around our city facilities, uh, our utilities. Uh, We also have some covert systems that are part of our police operations that are part of that network. And the nice part about that is it home runs all those cameras uh, and we place them in our Genetech uh, video security system. So the departments that have uh, directory rights to access those cameras can see them. Our police department has access to all of them we record all those cameras for 30 days uh, for evidence purposes, uh, and it works out extremely well for us. 
Wow, that's a lot of cameras. Uh, have you done any estimates to find out uh, what it would cost to lease enough services to, to do what you're doing? You know, I just don't know. We have not, and I don't know if the uh, the price would even be cost effective at all uh, due to uh, you know the the amount of megapixels that some of our utilities have requested due to the high definition nature of the cameras. Uh, they require a very high speed connection. Um, of which our wireless wouldn't even service it. So, you know, trying to, to, to implement a T1 line to cameras and compare the cost of that versus your own network, uh, the T1 in most cases wouldn't even accept uh, um, the, the capacity of some of the a single camera that we have at some of our facilities. Okay, so then it, w it would be fair to say that you just wouldn't even be able to do a lot of these things without your own network. Yeah, not with the, the level of frame rate, not with the level of clarity that we have on the video image, which in our particular case we use for evidentiary purposes. All right, let's move on to the Wi-Fi, which I think is what most people are interested in with Riverside. And maybe you can start uh, by telling us a little bit about why you wanted to do this large wireless project. And uh, I'd love to know why you needed to put wires in the ground and on the poles to do wireless. So in, in 2004, we had a, a group of CEOs of high-tech companies here in Riverside that are part of our group called the CEO Forum, and they actually came to a nonprofit of which I'm the executive director of, and they, they said, why don't we do wireless just in our downtown, create some hot spots, try to see if there's incremental month-over-month -month take rates on it, and if so, maybe expand that a little bit. So we actually, the nonprofit actually got funding, uh, put about 30 of these access points in our downtown, and what we saw is the takeaway was pretty was pretty good. And uh, so our we got a new city manager in 2005. Um, he basically challenged me and said, "Hey, Steve, do you think we could expand this to other parts of the city?" And I said, "Well, why don't we take it citywide?" And that was at a time where Philadelphia uh, was one of the first to attempt to do it. You know, Google was looking at doing a project with San Francisco. We actually gathered both those requests for proposals and said, well, maybe now's a good opportunity to find out if we can get somebody that would build it out at no cost to us, and then in turn we would be an anchor tenant and we'd use higher speeds on this wireless network to serve our fire police needs and, and also for some of our wireless needs from an operational perspective like ball field lights, traffic signals, and our mobile uh, workforce out there. So we actually uh, went out to bid. We got AT&T uh, that, that won that bid, and they actually uh, did the deployment at no cost to the city. Um, it covers about 78% of our city, and um, the city now owns and manages it. AT&T exited uh, that business in about 2009, and uh, the city continues to operate it and maintain it uh, through a contract that we have with U.S. Internet out of Minneapolis. And so that network, it's a, it's a tri-band network, which what that means is um, there's three basic radios that are in these units. The first radio is a point-to-point um, -point connection that basically extends an Internet signal from a fiber location out to these remote devices. And so what we did is we had to run fiber to six strategic locations of the city and build um, six 60-foot towers. So in our particular case, we built flagpoles, 60-foot flagpoles, placed those at our fire and police facilities, and those became our what they call broadband aggregation points, which created the mesh network. So we run from these towers to about 90 gateways 
that uh, are throughout the city that are placed on top of our uh, street lamps because our street lamps here all have photophotaic that we can unplug so they're powered full time uh, and they extend that signal out to a series of access points of which we have about 1600 uh, that blanket the city. And so the, the tri-band nature, one is for the backhaul, one is for public Wi-Fi, and the third is a public safety 4.9 frequency that allows it to be a secured encrypted frequency that's used by our fire and police mobile workforces, streams video back from our police cars back to City Hall, uh, and then also gives them full access to the Internet and uh, other city applications just as they had a desktop in their own work environment. But in this case, it's a mobile data computer inside their vehicle. I think it would be a good time, I should have asked earlier, if you could just briefly discuss the size of Riverside and, and the, the nature of the, of the citizens. Sure. So we're, we're about 86 square miles. Uh, we, we have about 305,000 in population. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have a large um, uh, rural area that surrounds Riverside that was formerly our citrus crop rural areas, so we have a lot of um, still orange groves in, in the area, and, and some of those have been converted to five-acre parcels, which makes it a little bit of a challenge for wireless, uh, but in the other areas, we've been able to cover it. So you have this area, you're sort of the city center, right? I mean, you're uh, you're the all the people in the region come to you. Uh, yes, they do. And there's been a big effort on economic development, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, it's been huge for us. One of the things that we realized that when we were deploying this, which was primarily as an anchor tenant for city use, we knew that there would be some take rates from the public, obviously, because we, we offer it for free up to one meg. But what we realized is we had a lot of low-income families in Riverside. About 30% of our families have incomes of 45000 and under. So we actually started at the same time, actually just before we went live, and created a digital inclusion program. And it's become a world-renowned program where we use reform gang members, mentor them, teach them skills in PC refurbishment, and pay their salaries by collecting electronic waste. And what we've done is created a program where our schools train uh, the families of Riverside, and upon the graduation, they're getting a free refurbished computer, Microsoft Office software, and a, a wireless access device that extends that outdoor signal indoors to their homes. And we've benefited a little over 6,000 uh, of our families here in Riverside, and we grow it at about 150 a month. And you've won a number of awards for that program, is that right? Yes, we have. We, we just recently won a Helen Putnam Award. Uh, from the California League of Cities, and we are also recognized by the Intelligent Community Forum as a center of excellence in the world for uh, digital inclusion. Right, and I remember that you actually were the first U.S. city honored with that in a long time. That's so, correct. Congratulations. Where, what can people, if, if I'm from a different community and I'm trying to set up a similar program, I'm inspired by you, where can I learn more about how you've gone about doing this? So we have all that information up on our website at www.smartriverside.org. Uh, and up there has all of the programs that we offer. And it covers our wireless program and also talks in detail about our digital inclusion program. And we certainly, anybody that would like to come out and visit us, we, we'd love to try to help other communities out there uh, be able to replicate what we've done here um, back in their, in, in their own cities and counties. And how, what role does the does it play? What role does having your own network play in terms of helping the digital inclusion efforts? 
you know, if if you don't have the network, it's almost impossible to do digital inclusion because what we found is what really made it successful. One was making the technology low cost or free, and in our particular case, it's free. But a lot of families can't even afford broadband to their home, and so. If you're giving them a free PC, but they, they're not able to afford the broadband on the back end, it's not really helping them out. So having the wireless network for us has been huge, um, and it's really offered opportunities to those families that otherwise uh, would remain disconnected. And have you seen any uh, impact on jobs from your investments in the telecommunications? Has it led to any new firms coming or business expansion? Um, it has, you know, as, as a part of that recognition uh, from Smart Riverside, um, you know, we, we have gone through a major transformation from an innovation perspective in incubating new startup companies uh, from really teachers and students from our University of California re uh, Riverside that does research. And a lot of those are, are electing to stay here in Riverside, start their companies here, uh, you know, we, we've recently attracted some, some larger companies to the region, uh, like SolarMax, as an example. It's just bringing 1,000 new jobs to Riverside. Uh, so we're, we're excited about uh, those, uh, those companies, that, especially the technology ones, that recognize the benefits of infrastructure that we have here and uh, also recognize that, that people want to live and uh, have their kids go to school in those kind of geographies where um, broadband access is is available to everyone. And uh, you know, this is sometimes a, a touchy subject. I don't want to put you out in front of your elected officials, but I'm always curious if there's been any conversation uh, in terms of uh, considering offering services uh, beyond um, the wireless, uh, maybe doing some wired uh, fiber optic expansion to a business park or residence or anything along those lines. Well, it's a, it's a little touchy because there there are regulations that stipulate exactly um, what our utility can and can't do from a competition standpoint, and so they they have elected uh, based on our electeds and their board um, to not compete in in the business and the residential side for internet access. Uh, we certainly encourage competition. You know, one of the things that we did with our wireless network. Um, we, we only had a couple of carriers in town. Charter was really one of the, the key ones for Internet access. But uh, we, we actually uh, expedited permits for AT&T to roll out their Uverse product uh, in our city. Uh, so we think that by allowing competition between carriers, cable, um, other uh, service providers such as Verizon, which has a sliver of their Fios product in Riverside, and Uverse, helps get the price down to an affordable standpoint and also gives people choice, and people like choice. That's what we're always working for is a, what we like to say is a real choice. Uh, is, there, is there anything else we should know about Riverside that we haven't already touched on? I think that one of the unique things about Riverside is, is not just what we've been able to do with broadband expansion and with our digital inclusion program, uh, but I think the, the innovation aspects um, are, are really unique. I think one of the big benefits we have is having a, a research university. Uh, we also have three other colleges here. And, and I think one of the things that is really important that once you have that infrastructure there, uh, you have to recognize what your majority of your population is. And, and in our particular case, uh, it's really a younger community. It's, it's a college crowd. Um, so what we really have to do is we have to make sure that our, our websites are oriented because these, these, these 
individuals now uh, are getting all their information online, and we have to be able to deliver mobile apps for them so they can interface and integrate um, their issues into our city government. So that's what we've been doing over the last three and four years is really focus on uh, our, our web projects and our mobile uh, development um, so that they can interact with city government better than um, they have been able to in the past. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to tell us about your city and the excellent projects you're working on. Well, thanks so much. That was Steve Reniker, the Chief Innovation Officer for the City of Riverside, California. To learn more, visit our show page on uninetworks.org, where we have links to some of the materials discussed in the show. If you have any questions or comments, please tell us directly. Email podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on September 4th, 2012. Thanks to Fit and the Conniptions for the music you licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Storms Over. Storms over now. I'm on my way.